0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Friday, May 29th, 2020, 12 weeks and counting edition of Iowa Politics. This week, primary prognostications and the legislature resumes. Good morning. I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Brett Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, James. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy.
2: Good morning, James.
1: And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, primary prognostications. If you haven't already voted, I'm guessing you probably don't intend to. However, I will remind the On Iowa Politics community that June 2nd is the primary election day, and polls will be open for those who are feeling brave enough to go out. There are two top races in iowa the democratic u.s senate primary and the gop race in the fourth district let's start with the senate race where michael franken Teresa greenfield kimberly graham and eddie morrow are running greenfield is favored in this race but there seems to be a lot of questions about her campaign other than her ability to get support from outside groups the rap on greenfield is that she's not a great campaigner and is weak on the issues Amy, has the live on Zoom nature of this campaign helped Greenfield by making it harder for voters, her opponents, and the media to grill her?
2: Maybe. I think that's a good point. You know, if if all we're seeing is really TV ads, social media ads, um, and even just, you know, the very staged Zoom virtual town hall meetings um, where nobody can go off the rails because everyone's muted until you're unmuted. Well, then, yeah, yeah, of, of course, you're, you're not able to really get that, um, you know, that freewheeling style from the voters, the the surprise questions from the reporters and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's a very, you know, slick campaign style and, and time these days, you're, you're sort of, unless you're getting direct questions, you know, on the phone from reporters still, which you still can do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think you're right that, that some of that is, is in the candidates' favor, that they're able to sort of run a much more slick campaign these days because they're not having to um, answer for any questions in town halls that they don't want to answer for. H-
1: has it helped all of them equally, or has it made it harder for those who haven't been able to raise as much money uh, and get help from outside groups to get their messages out?
2: Oh yeah. I think you, you've got Greenfield and Morrow winning that race right now, just, just from the money aspect. Um, Franken's in there. Uh, I haven't heard almost anything from Kimberly Graham. Um, Of course, Cal was dropped out. So, you know, and I haven't seen um, Ernst campaign commercials really, maybe you guys have, um, but um, I'm assuming she'll jump in eventually once the primary is done to, to also, you know, have that factor in. So. Yeah, I think I think probably you're right. Greenfield and, and Morrow are probably the top two right now that are on everybody's minds.
1: You know, I was just thinking that uh, you know Senator Ernst has a new book out, um, "Daughter of the Heartland." Um, you know, typically that's a, a way to promote your candidacy, <laughs> but bookstores are closed, so you can't go around and do book signings and, and you know do that sort of thing. So it sure. seems sort of uh, like you know, that's not a good strategy this year if, if you're thinking about writing a writing your memoir a, as a campaign tool. But, but perhaps
2: yeah. we have more time to read.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. There you go. Well, it all works out. Uh, Todd, there's been some speculation that the Democratic establishment keeps pouring money into the, the Senate primary because it's worried about Greenfield's campaign. Um, and there are signs, although given the lack of Polling in this race, it's hard to tell that Franken is gaining ground. Uh, can he gain enough ground fast enough, or, or with heavy absentee voting, is this race all but over?
3: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good question. That's that's you know based on what we know, it's tough to answer. That I think the the establishment groups that are trying to you know pour some money in to help Greenfield, they're probably not flying as blind as we are, so they may be seeing something about franken's numbers that worry them enough to spend some money you had emily's lists packed coming in to do a negative ad against franken that he you know he didn't hasn't lived in iowa while he was an admiral in navy there there aren't a lot of naval bases in iowa which you might you might have noticed uh and and that he's got a house in virginia it's just sort of the 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 age old carpetbagger line and we've seen that so we see it a lot in iowa campaigns that you know candidates that have gone out of state to accomplish things and have careers that come back. We, we look at them suspiciously. Well, why didn't you stay here the whole time? But uh, so they're, they're trying, they're, they're trying it. So there must be something there now. I, you know, maybe Franken also is one of the candidates that benefits from this sort of strange campaign where not a lot of people get to see the candidates necessarily, you know, in, 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 events and rallies and those sort of things because his resume is so impressive i think that's one of the things that's attracted people to him that i mean at least the letters of the editor that we're getting in the gazette that's the number one thing they say is look at this guy's resume look at his background he's he's got a better background than all the other candidates so he's a political newcomer so uh, you know if he were out giving speeches and stuff he may not be you know being new to this who knows how polished he would be but his resume speaks volumes, and so I think that's that's helped him. I think people are impressed by that background, not necessarily how he's performed in a campaign that so few people have maybe seen him. But uh, yeah, I, I still think Greenfield's the favorite. I I think, as you say, with absentee voting, the your you know early votes that came in and the, the amount of money that she spent on advertising. I mean, I think that's probably going to make the difference. Although there may be a few Democrats who are sort of Wary of, of, of once again voting for the candidate that the the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and, and other groups have sort of have sort of said this is the anointed pick that hasn't gone so well in the past, so they they might be looking around and and Franken might be benefiting from that.
1: I, I covered uh, Michael Franken in person. Uh, seems like ages. Wow. Ago. Uh, yeah I mean he tell, was, us, a, tell us
3: about your time out in the world
1: yeah <laughs> I got as far as Iowa City you know <laughs> a house party it was very uh, very strange um, and, and I, I thought he came across well um, he's in, in that setting that, you know there are probably mm, 20 30 people uh, you know typical house party sort of campaign event Um it was informal, but a lot of question and answer. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know how he would do, um, you know, in, in settings where he had to give a, like more of a campaign speech than just do mm-hmm. question and answer sort of thing. But, uh, in, in that setting, he came across well. But I, I think you may be right, Todd, that, um, you know, he's he's been doing some sort of a daily, um, I don't know what we call it, Zoomcast, podcast, whatever, um, you know, uh, talking about campaign issues. And, um, you know, it's hard to tell how many people are actually tuning in for those sorts of things that these candidates are doing. But um, there must be some sort of an audience out there for that. Um, Brad, I wanted to come to come to you, and we're going to talk a lot about the Fourth District GOP race in a minute. But I wanted to ask you: uh, Is this Senate campaign getting any oxygen out in the Fourth District?
4: Um, I guess I'd have to, with the coronavirus wiping, you know, wiping out the in-person campaigning. I I really don't have a strong feel on that. Um, you know, it'd be a lot easier if we had Franken or you know Greenfield or all, any of the four out over here, so I could. You know, look at crowd sizes or try to gauge enthusiasm. But um, and then personally, I guess I've been pretty heavily involved in the Iowa Fourth in writing those. Um, I, I did want to say, um, playing a little bit off of what Todd said about resume. Um, I, I think it's at least. Oh, I want one other thing. I wanted to. Um, <laughs> I did send out a text uh, to to get to that question um, to a couple of county uh, Democratic county party chairpersons to to gauge any you know what the enthusiasm level is up here and i will confess failure because i didn't haven't didn't get any replies to those two texts but um but i, I do think it is an interesting race um with the that dynamic at least from up here and in i guess in areas that are more of a rural rural portion of iowa that you have the dynamic of a bunch of golden circle candidates again and then the rare one from northwest iowa who has northwest iowa roots and as tad said like a a very interesting resume that could line up pretty well with Joni Ernst, and that's certainly how Franklin expresses it. That you know he has an upbringing that would appeal to, to Democrats in kind of these low population counties, um, and for you know some Democrats have Democrats in Sioux City, you know again not from Polk County, uh, not from you know in these and in, in these lower population counties, they haven't seen great outcomes from the Polk County um, area candidates, you know like a Fred Hubble. So you can see where Franken would have appeal in, in the primary for those types of people. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's move over to uh, the 4th District and, and talk about that GOP primary there, uh, the, sort of the king of the mountain game going on in the 4th District. Uh, and maybe mountain isn't the right word uh, to describe Western Iowa, but how about king of the left hill? <laughs>
4: Oh o- o- che Iowa is the highest, which is up in uh, okay. the South Dakota oh, border. The, the, King the,
1: of the Ocheedon Sound. Like, <laughs> that's right. Like a 1,100
4: right. 1, feet above uh, sea level, highest point in
1: Iowa. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <All> the view. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, Brad, uh, bring us up to the speed on this race in the fourth, which, I mean, stretches across what, 39 counties of Northwestern, North Central, and even parts of Northeast Iowa. Um, you know, there's been heavy, uh, voting in the district. Um, any idea where right. this race stands, uh, here at the end of the campaign?
4: Yeah, boy, it's, it seems tight. Um, uh, I just got done interviewing all five candidates for our, our weekend preview story. And, um, um, The polls, everything that we have, there's no official outside poll. It's just internal polls that we've seen. And there was one just a couple days ago. um, Randy Feenstra, um, he's saying he has, it was a two-point lead. I think it was like 41-39. And then King, about a month ago, more toward late April, had one where he had a seven-point lead. Um, And then, again, as I've talked to the other three candidates, they said, well, you know, what their spin is that, um, there is, you know, these are not independent polls, so it's, it, it seems tight. It seems like a two person race and, uh, Feenstra keeps benefiting from tons of, of advertising that not only from his own campaign coffers, but then the, there's these outside groups to, I guess you'd say kind of center, center, right. Um, groups that are defending, um, or in support of Feenstra and, uh, Again, we don't have in-person campaigning, so it, it's all kind of commercials and social media, and it's it, it
1: seems very it seems like it's gone to the wire in, in my estimation. So, Brett, last week um, we were talking about Fiend Story is running some ads that we're seeing over here in the mm-hmm. the Waterloo Cedar Falls Cedar Rapids markets. Is King doing any advertising, TV, no. radio?
4: No, no, no. no. I talked. I, I did talk to him uh, again the other day, and and uh, we, you know, I just frankly asked him about his his very small amount of, of campaign fundraising, and and his uh, response was that he's too busy doing his congressional duties, and he wasn't that wrapped into to attempting fundraising. <clears throat> but no, there there are no no commercials that I've heard. Um, he's his, as we said. Um, in recent podcasts here, he's, he's um, staking his claim on the fact that Iowans know me, they know what I've done, they know where I stand. And um, so, you know, I guess in one way, that means this primary is kind of a referendum on, you know, at, 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 on Steve King after 18 years with, with all the things he said, with all the things he's done with his, you know, his, his pushing of conservative causes, and then some, some downsides from some of his controversial statements, should Steve King be returned?
1: So if that's the case, Todd, who should Democrats be cheering for in this race? Uh, Would they rather run against uh, Steve King uh, with his record of racist comments? Uh, Or if Feenstra wins, does that energize Republicans locally and nationally to put some money into this race and make sure they hang on to the 4th District?
3: Well, I, I, you know, I don't think a lot of Democrats will be sad if they see Steve King have to concede on primary night. I mean, that's, that's the scene that a lot of them have been waiting for, at least in in some form at some election. I mean, from a pure political strategy standpoint, I suppose, yeah, you, you want to run against King because J.D. Shulton, uh, nearly, nearly got him last time and, 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 and really his, his, uh, hard run at King is what kind of started his downfall. And uh, so, you know, if King were able to squeak through by a narrow margin, I think he would be a fairly weakened target. And you'd probably see some crossover voting for schulten as you did last time. And, and that would give them some chance of gaining the seat. If Feenstra wins, I think he goes on to win the general election fairly easily. I don't, I think that's still a, you know, it's, it's still an overwhelmingly Republican district and, uh, Feenstra, you know, is, is, is probably more representative of the majority of voters in that district than, than Shulton is. And I think that, that would probably be, you know, would probably remain a, a red seat, but yeah. So like I say, though, I don't think, I don't think Democrats are going to be angry if, uh, if Steve King gets sent packing.
1: At the at the national level, Democrats are already asking whether Ashley Hinson, Marionette Miller Meeks, Bobby Schilling and David Young will stand with King if he is the nominee. Um, if that's the case, that it, that if King comes out of the primary as the nominee, is he going to be a burden on every other Republican running in November?
3: Well, no more than the president, I guess. I mean, we've, we're seeing we're we're seeing all of those candidates you know, Ashley Henson was touting her Trump endorsement in the last week or so. And, and uh, I mean, she, he was endorsing her about the time he was accusing Joe Scarborough of murder. I, I forget exactly which came first, but uh, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of baggage for Republican candidates to carry. I don't know that King adds to that. I would, I would imagine they'll probably keep their distance. I don't think you'll see a lot of uh, Republican candidates run into Sioux City on the last night before the election to, to hug Steve King like you saw in 2018, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think that he'll probably have to confine his political activity to his own district if he if he gets the nomination.
1: Well, maybe on a, on a future edition of the podcast, we can speculate on what Steve King will do uh, if he's not uh, the nominee and not reelected. But uh, you know, certainly there's got to be a, a slot on Fox News or, or
3: somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You might, might get a show on Newsmax, you know, between you Spicer and Huckabee. I don't know.
4: That's, that's funny that you bring that up, James, because literally my mind went there just yesterday as I was wrapping up the preview story that, um, you know, he's been through a few primaries and, you know, a lot of general elections. But I, I don't think I'd ever thought of, well, what happens when we wake up Wednesday and he's, he's not advanced? You know, like, what, what does that mean for him? So yeah,
1: <laughs> well, well, he is what seventy-one years old. So I mean, I, I guess he could retire if he wanted to, and and yeah, um, you know. But uh, it doesn't. He doesn't strike me as the sort of guy who is just going to sit back, put his feet up, and, and and not have an opinion.
4: Right, and you're right. He is seventy-one. His birthday was yesterday on Thursday.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you were invited to the party. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Well, I received that fundraising appeal that they put out on the 75th.
1: So. <laughs> nice nice personal touch there. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, over in the 1st District, uh, there's a GOP primary race that doesn't seem to be generating nearly as much excitement as that race in the 4th District. Uh, Amy, is this a case where we jump straight into the general? Um, Hinson was recently endorsed by the President, as Todd said. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I think he's endorsed every Republican challenger who's running. Um, so is this a case of where Republicans have to try to make swing voters or persuadables hate Nancy Pelosi more than Democrats can make uh, them hate Trump or or will it be actually be about uh, Ashley Hinson and Representative Finken Allen?
2: Uh, I, I I think yeah. It, it, uh, to answer your first question, yeah, Ashley Hinson seems to be um, the overwhelming favorite. Um, she's backed by the party. She was named what a, one of the young guns for her massive fundraising. You know, she's she's raised millions. She's on par with Finkenauer, who is the incumbent. And and so I think yeah, Thomas Hansen is just really faded to the background. Unfortunately, in this, I think you know if Hinson doesn't win the primary in an overwhelming fashion, then then that'll be really interesting um, because there's there's no reason she wouldn't. I think the Trump endorsement is just sort of the icing on the cake. I think Hinson sort of had that wrapped up before that endorsement, but it certainly helps, I think, um, her cause. If if you're um, a Trump supporter and, and you were on the fence by chance and hadn't heard of Hinson, um, then that might sway you. But I think that she did have it wrapped up. Um, and then as far as, you know, the persuadables, um, I think... I don't know if I get the sense that that Pelosi is is going to be a factor it, at least in Iowa. I think more people might you know just look at people's bona fides and, and look at people's records. And of course, uh, um, not to knock Hansen, but he's maybe more of an unknown quantity than Hinson, who is a state rep. And so I think that that's maybe what they're going to to sit on. And plus, if if she's a known quantity and she looks like she's going to win and she's polling at least even with Finkenauer, which were the last few polls, you know, that, that came out about that, then I think people will be excited to get behind her.
1: Todd, uh, Trump carried the district in 2016, but then Finkenauer knocked off the Republican uh, Republican incumbent in 2018. Um, will voters double down on, or on that decision, or will they make amends by going back to a Republican uh, representative?
3: Yeah, it's, you know, I, th- I think the incumbent always has some advantage, you know, as we'll see how the national race shapes up to whether this, you know, is starting to look like a good year for Democrats or, or, be- or better from Republicans than it looks right now. I mean, we seem to be going through a period of our history where we have a lot of lurching sort of wave elections, you know, one way or the other. You've got, you know, the Trump wave in, in 16, and then the Democrats sort of, Returned, uh, you know, their wave in eighteen, and so twenty is such a wild card with all that's going on with the pandemic, and and now we've got the the uh, the issue of of police violence and 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 racial problems, you know, shoved back to the front burner by the Minneapolis situation and other and other issues. It's, I mean, it's a very volatile political atmosphere right now. So it's 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 tough to say which party will have the advantage. I mean, right now it looks like Democrats have a lot to run on and against. So Abby Finkenauer may may have plenty to talk about. Uh and, you know, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be one of those races where we're gonna see tens of millions of dollars thrown in by a lot of outside groups that will try to paint the candidates as as monsters from one side or the other socialists or or Trumpian authoritarians or what whatever we're gonna get. But uh, it's going to be expensive and and nasty, and uh, I, and I think the as I say, I think the national wins are going to are going to really sway where this goes.
1: Mm-hmm. There's also a primary race in the second district um, that stretches across southeastern and south central Iowa. Uh, former Illinois U.S. Rep. Um, Bobby Schilling and State Senator Marionette Miller Meeks are fighting for the nomination. Uh, it's an open seat. Representative Dave Lobsack is retiring, not seeking re-election. Um, and Schilling and Miller-Meeks seem to be carving up each other pretty well. Schilling accuses Miller-Meeks of not being pro-life enough, even though she's voted for perhaps the most restrictive limits on abortion. Uh, her campaign has gone after Schilling's son for homophobic comments on social media, which he has, which he has defended. Um, Todd, will either one survive the primary with a knife, enough life left in them to face Senator State Senator Rita Hart?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. They're 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 beating each other up pretty good here in the last couple of weeks. Again, as we've talked about with the absentee voting, how many votes were cast? You know, before all of this started to blow up, it's 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 hard to it's hard to say how much effect it'll have overall uh and and you know rita hart is 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 well is well positioned i think she's you know being being a rural democrat and and uh being sort of you know she's run sort of a Lobsackian kind of center left campaign so that you know that's i think where that district is but yeah i mean the attention that both of these candidates the republican candidates have received hasn't been positive and they've you know. Throughout their careers, these have these have been Republicans and Schilling and, and uh, Miller Meeks, who have sort of had kind of a more of a centrist profile in the, in the issues that they've taken on and the and the uh, legislation that they've championed, and and now they're sort of falling all over each other to be the most Trumpian Republican in the in the in the race. So that that in and of itself is sort of hard to watch, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, that's the times we live in, and that's what Republican candidates have to do now. And yeah that that doesn't that doesn't always leave a good impression for general election voters uh, that you know aren't part of the Republican base.
1: Well, we'll have plenty to talk about next week on the next edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope today's. Uh podcast was worth your time. If you like it, tell a friend, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. Send your fan mail to podcasts at thegazette.com. And you can find us on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Imperfect will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or a musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Brett, Amy, Todd, and our producer Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening, and stay well.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Cedar Rapids, where you at? I'd like to welcome you to the show, Mike Hand Recording's crew, running things around here, to sack like you knew what and perfect started with the microphone in my right hand and evolved into an indie labor called mike hand recordings recording from cedar rapids i ate. inner city jump skipping, and i hop from the highway that's where i stayed before the days of the flood before the city was covered in muck and everybody's stuff littered the streets i'm speaking literally we had six feet of water in the kitchen at least but that's enough on that subject because it'll get set and I don't think you want to see a grown man cry in the city of five seasons even more smells it ain't hard to tell people around here record as hell get psyched for Saturdays when they're super fresh small place big dreams on the road to success Mike and the crew the Cause collective Midwest indigenous MCs respected from near to far here We revere the art Taking charge of the hip-hop scene So we can raise the bar They're faking hard We keep it really, really real Acting like you don't know Catch my nippy little spiel Moving swiftly on your heels But the fact is I'm lapping you Cause of your half-stepping attitude melodramatic dramatic Who never had a clue Chuckle with a bad excuse But really, I ain't that amused. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Put your hands in the air and come along with me. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Get down with that MIC, H.A.N.D. Put your hands in the air and sing along with me. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Cedar Rapids stands up. Hip hop right under your nose. Keep me on MySpace. I'm old school. I don't fuck with that Facebook shit. Peace out. Perfect.